0: and Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the American Serial Killer Guidebook. I'm your host, Elton Morgan, and today we will be discussing the BTK murder of Shirley Vianne Relford, who was unlucky enough to have her son spotted by Dennis Rader, then followed effectively destroying their lives and making her his sixth victim, when his first and second target, which Rader called Project Green, weren't home. Not only did Raider strip and murder this poor woman, but he locked her three children up in the bathroom just feet away, forcing them to listen as their mother was brutally strangled. To make matters worse, her six-year-old son watched the entire ordeal through the bathroom keyhole. Make sure to listen until the end of the episode where we will reveal some new information that is a surprising twist no one is going to expect. This, this is really going to blow you away. Remember to like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode in our series on BTK. And help support us if you can. And remember, do we ever truly know who lives next door? On March 17th, 1977, a cool Thursday just before noon, Dennis Rader parked his car at Dillon's Grocery Store on Lincoln and Hydraulic in the Linwood edition of Wichita, Kansas. Wearing dress shoes, slacks, and a tweed coat and carrying a briefcase, Dennis Rader left his vehicle in the parking lot and headed towards his target a couple of blocks down at 1207 Greenwood and knocked on the door. Fortunately for the woman living there, she wasn't home, but Rader wasn't someone to be deterred and without a backup plan so he headed for a nearby alley to the house of a young woman he'd met the year prior. In the fall of 1976, he had visited a bar near the Wichita State University campus called a Blackout. There he met a young woman named Cheryl who he had a beer with and spoke to for a short while. Dennis found her interesting and considered her a potential project, so he quietly followed her home noting her address of 1243 South Hydraulic, which was just one block over from Greenwood. Rader decided now was as good a time as any to initiate Project Blackout, which is what he'd previously named Cheryl not knowing her last name was Sarkozy. Cheryl Sarkozy lived at 1243 South Hydraulic alone, but was often visited by her best friend Skirl Clark and Skirl's little sister, 17-year-old Karen, who often babysat for Cheryl when she felt like going out. Luckily for the three young women, they were all out that fateful day when death came knocking. Realizing his plans had fallen through for a second time, but too keyed up to simply turn around and go home, Dennis Rader spotted six-year-old Stephen Relford walking down the sidewalk. He was returning from Dillon's where his mother, who was home from work sick, sent him to get some soup. Shirley's common-law husband, Richard Vian, was at work, so she decided to keep the kids home with her that day. Rader stopped young Steve, telling him he was a private detective and showing him a picture of his wife and daughter, asking him if he had seen them. Steve told him no, then headed home, with Rader watching him the entire time, making note of which house he walked into. Stephen walked into the house and placed the soup on the kitchen table before letting his mom know he was home and crawling into bed beside her. A few moments later, a knock was heard at the front door, but little did Stephen know it was one that he would spend the rest of his life regretting answering. Steve hopped up, telling his mother he'd get the door, meeting his eight-year-old older brother, Bud, in the living room, opening the door. There stood Raider in what he called his detective clothes, holding the same picture he had earlier shown Steve on the street, and asked him if they recognized the woman and young girl. Realizing there were no adults in the living room, Raider quickly pulled out his .357 Magnum and forced his way in, lowering the blinds and turning off the television. Shirley Relford then emerged from the bedroom in a bathrobe asking what in the world was going on, which is when she saw Dennis Rader pointing his very large caliber pistol at her. Rader forced Shirley and her three kids, eight-year-old Bud, six-year-old Steven, and four-year-old Stephanie, into Shirley's bedroom and began to tie up the kids before they started crying and panicking, telling him the neighbor would be there any minute to check on them and he quickly realized it wasn't going to work. This is when Raider told Miss Relford to help him put the kids in the bathroom, then after gathering some toys and blankets to put in there with them, he tied one bathroom door shut with a rope before having Shirley help him push the bed against the other door to hold it shut, trapping the kids in the bathroom. Raider told Shirley he had a problem with his sexual fantasies and that he wanted to tie her up and rape her and that he'd done this before. Shirley became upset at the proposition, so Raider took her to the back porch area and let her smoke a cigarette, but her anxiety caused her to vomit before he gave her a glass of water being led back to the bedroom. Shirley, Vian Relford, thinking if she just did what he said, he would leave her and her kids unharmed, said, let's get this over with, walking over to the bed. Rader then stripped her naked and had her lie on her stomach with her feet at the head of the bed, which was up against the bathroom door, and he tied her feet to the bedpost, then around her legs, then her wrists behind her back before placing a plastic bag over her head and using the end of the rope to strangle her to death. The entire time he was killing Shirley Relford, her kids were less than six feet away listening, as six-year-old Stephen was watching it all happen through the keyhole in the bathroom door. Raider then proceeded to masturbate over Shirley Relford's body, while her three children screamed and beat on the bathroom door crying for their mother. After finishing his disgusting business, the phone rang, which is when Rader remembered the kids saying the neighbor was supposed to come by to check on the family. Nervous he was about to be discovered, he quickly gathered up the rope, tape, cords, and anything else he had brought as part of his hit kit into his briefcase and returned to his car in the Dillon's parking lot down the street. Oof. Even though this was so long ago, still reading it, just... It's upsetting. Next, I'm going to read the police report from the Wichita Police Department on the day of Shirley's murder, describing what they found when officers arrived on scene. On March 17, 1977, at approximately 1 p.m., Wichita Police Officer Raymond Fletcher responded to a dispatch call to 1345 South Hydraulic. A man met the officer in the driveway of 1345 South Hydraulic and said that his wife had been to the house up the street and she had seen a woman with a bag over her head man's wife believed that the woman was dead. Officer Fletcher and the man later identified as James Barnett ran to 1311 South Hydraulic and Officer Fletcher entered the residence. Officer Fletcher found a nude woman lying face down on a bed. The woman's feet were toward the head of the bed and the bed was shoved up against the door to the bathroom. A plastic bag tied with a pink nightgown covered the woman's head. Black electrical tape was wrapped around her arms and ankles. A white cord and a nylon bound her hands behind her back. Her ankles were also tied with cord. Lieutenant R.L. Anderson and D.E. Sinclair of the Wichita Fire Department arrived and began to administer care to the woman. The plastic bag was removed from her head. A white cord was wrapped around her neck and ran the length of her body. Officer Fletcher documented that the cord was wrapped around her neck four to five times, then ran down her back and bound her wrists. The cord then ran down her legs and bound her ankles. The cord was then tied around a bedpost at the head of the bed. EMS personnel David Martin and Ray Long arrived and brought the woman into the living room to perform CPR because the bedroom was very dark due to all the blinds being drawn. The woman, identified as Shirley Vianne, did not respond to CPR. Officer Fletcher notified dispatch that he had a homicide. Sharon Burnett told Officer Fletcher that 6-year-old Steve Relford and 8-year-old Junior Relford, the sons of Shirley Vianne, came running to her house. The time was approximately 12.50 p.m. The boys said that a man with a gun and a suitcase had forced him into the bathroom. The man then tied up their mother. The boys said that their mama was on her bed tied up with tape on her arms. Burnett ran to the Vianne home and found Shirley Vianne's 4-year-old daughter, Stephanie Relford, crying in the living room. Burnett discovered Shirley Vianne in the bedroom. Vianne was bound and a plastic bag covered her head. Vianne was not moving and Burnett feared she was dead. Burnett returned home and called police. Steve Relford told detective Rick Easter and Lewis Brown that he answered a knock at the door and a man with a gun entered the house. Stephen had earlier seen the man up the street when he went to the Dillon's grocery store to get soup. Law enforcement investigation determined that Shirley Vianne had sent Steve to the Dillon store at 1227 South Hydraulic for some groceries. Don Hush, manager of the store, told law enforcement that Shirley Vianne had called to advise that her boys would be coming to the store. Steve Dunn, a Dillon store clerk, recalled waiting on Stephen at approximately noon. Stephen took the detectives to the 1200 block of South Hydraulic and pointed to 1243 South Hydraulic. Stephen said he saw the man knocking on the door of the house. The man was carrying a suitcase. The man then approached him and showed him a picture of a little child and a grown-up. The man asked if Stephen had seen the people in the photograph. Stephen told the detectives that he did not know the people in the photograph. Stephen returned home and laid down with his mother when there was a knock at the door. Steve heard his mom say, Don't hurt us, when the man entered his house. The man said, I'm not going to hurt you, and herded him, his brother and sister, and his mom into the bedroom. The man unzipped the suitcase, removed a rope, and began to tie Junior's hands. Junior started to cry, and the man forced Stephen, his sister Stephanie, and Junior into the bathroom. The man tied a rope around the door and underneath the sink. Stephen tried to push the door, but the bed was pushed up against the bathroom door. Junior broke a window in the bathroom to try to get out. Stephen was worried that Junior would get in trouble for breaking the bathroom window. Lab investigator Jerry Malter processed the scene. Vomit was documented on the face of Shirley Vian and on the floor of the bedroom. In the bathroom, Malter found white cord stretching from the pipe below the sink to the doorknob of the west bathroom door. The east bathroom door was blocked by a bed. The bottom pane of the bathroom window was broken. Toys, a blanket, a curtain, and two pillows were strewn on the bathroom floor. Detective Steve Katches attended the autopsy of Shirley Vianne and documented two bruised lines across the throat and small round bruises at the base of the throat. The small round bruises were consistent with fingers. Dr. William Eckert performed the autopsy. The cause of death was determined to be asphyxiation and strangulation. Dennis Rader later told investigators that he'd planned on killing Shirley's kids as well, and the only reason they survived is because the phone rang. On a whim, this monster took the life of a wife and mother of three children for no better reason than his brutal need to kill. Shirley Vian Relford left behind a family who had to figure out how to live their lives without her because a madman decided to act out some sick fantasy. Well, who's ready for a little twist that might prove BTK got a little karma for his murderous crimes? Remember the young 17-year-old girl named Karen Clark I mentioned earlier? She was the little sister of Skirl Clark, who was Cheryl Sarkozy's best friend who lived at the second home Dennis Rader tried that day before following Stephen Relford home. Well, Karen Clark is now 56-year-old Karen Rodriguez and a corrections officer at El Dorado Correctional Facility which is where Dennis Rader is sitting out his 10 life sentences. The young lady who so narrowly avoided becoming a victim of BTK is now part of the team charged with monitoring the serial killer and ensuring he never sees the light of day again. I'm a firm believer in karma, and I really hope that every time Rader sees her, he knows that the one who got away is helping to ensure he never hurts anyone again. I want to let you know how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to my podcast and ask that you help support the show if you can and drop a like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode of our series on BTK because we are adding new information about each case and we'd hate for you to miss it. Join us every other Sunday for the next chapter of the American Serial Killer Guidebook.